And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. You know, yesterday I was looking in the USA Today, and there's an article. It says, believers see a message in the virus. Believers see a message in the virus. Let me read to you the first sentence. The coronavirus has prompted almost two-thirds of American believers of all faiths to feel that God is telling humanity to change a new poll finds. Two-thirds of Americans are saying God is telling us that we need to change. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to repent of our sins and believe in the gospel. We need to repent of our sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And all over America, what we need to do is repent. Repent is a word that means a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of attitude, that leads to a change of action. We need to repent and we need to believe the gospel and live according to this word of God. You see, sin... Sin is basically living apart from God's word, saying, I think I know the right way to live. But dear ones, Jesus knows the right way to live. He says, in me, you'll have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But in me, you're going to have peace that passes all understanding. Well, we're in a series called Infinitely More. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, because today I want to talk to you about receiving your miracle, receiving your miracle. And let me start today by asking you a couple of questions. Number one, what's the greatest need in your life? Think about it for a minute. What's the greatest need in your life? Number two, what's the greatest need in your family? What's the greatest need in your business, in your cash flow? See, every great miracle starts with a great need, a need that will break your heart. But many times we experience that great need because God wants to get us to the place that we're willing to believe him to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. This is a story today we're going to read about a widow woman. Her husband was a pastor, but he's passed away. And in that day and age, when a person was in debt and you had no means of repaying the debt, then the bankers would come and they would literally take your children and they would sell your children into slavery. So let's open up in verse one as this single mom cries out to Elisha the prophet. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. You know, dear ones, when you don't know what to do, it's important that you know where to go. When you don't know 
what to do in a situation. Now, that often happens in life. It's important that we know to, where to go. We need to go to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you look at people to supply your needs, you're going to get disappointed because people can help at times, but invariably, even the best of people will let you down. But God is a refuge in strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And you see, the major battles in life, they're not just physical battles. Many of them are spiritual battles. Read Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Many times we're in a spiritual battle, and it's important that we, when we don't know what to do, that we know where to go. I think about King Jehoshaphat over in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Three armies have amassed against the children of Judah. They're coming against Jerusalem. The children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, all their armies are coming together. And Jehoshaphat calls a time of prayer and fasting and he prays this prayer. He says, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, in the midst of this uh, virus, we don't always know what to do, but let's keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. As long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water. But when he got his eyes on the waves, when he got his eyes on the wind, he began to sink. Let me tell you, friend, when you get your eyes on what's going on, going on all around us, when we get our eyes on the number of people suffering from the virus, when we get our eyes on the economy, when we get our eyes on what's going on around the world, you can get discouraged. It's downright discouraging. But dear ones, let's look unto the hills. See, that's what the David said as he journeyed to Jerusalem. He says, I look unto the, unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, not from the hill, but from the Lord, the maker of heaven and the maker of of earth. Let's look to Jesus because he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And every great miracle starts with a great need. You know, I've got a dear friend and he owns a, a, a corporation, he owns a company and it's not a large company. He probably has, I don't know, 50 or 60 employees and he's done really well, but he hit a stretch where for several years it looked like he might have to close his business. And I prayed with him several times about it, and we looked at scriptures together that we could stand in. And it got to the place that when I saw my friend, and I would see him several times a week, I'd say, how you doing, man? And he would look at me with a smile and say, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's a good answer when you're going through a difficult time. Just say, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to say that aloud wherever you are. You may be in your car just listening to the audio version of this, or you may be at home, or you may be watching on your cell phone, whatever. I want you to say it aloud. Come on. I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Say it again. I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this woman cries out to Elisha, says the creditor's coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Verse two, so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. You know, anybody could have said, I don't have anything. 
But then she thought about it for a minute, and she says, I don't have anything except a jar of oil. And I believe that when she uttered those words, I don't have anything but a jar of oil, that faith began to rise in the atmosphere there. See, dear ones, it's easy to curse the darkness. It's easy to talk about how bad everything is, but it takes a man or a woman of faith to light a candle and say, you know, things maybe look dark, but look at what I've got. It's important that you and I start focusing on what we have and not on what we don't have. That we start focusing and we start thanking God for what we've got. You know, I used to go to South America every year because I serve on a, a board of a church and an orphanage down there. And um, so many times when I would go to South America, my experience was that many people, and I'm talking about Christian people, they would view me as a wealthy gringo from the United States. They think everybody from the States is wealthy. And they would have their hands out. And they would be asking for financial assistance. But I'll never forget one young lady, she was the wife of a pastor, her name was Sonia Guterres, and Sonia came to me, she says, oh, Pastor Terrell, we're so excited you're here. Let me tell you what God has done for us. You know, at our home, if you walked into our home, you would find that we've got a home full of furniture. Pastor Terrell, let me tell you, I remember the time that we didn't have furniture, but now we have furniture. Oh, Pastor Terrell, I remember when my husband didn't have but one suit to wear, and it was threadbare. But today, my pastor, my, my, my husband who's a pastor has got three suits to wear. Oh, isn't God good? And I remember when I didn't have nice dresses to wear. But look, isn't this a beautiful dress that I'm wearing? Oh, God is good. And then she began to say, and God's gonna help us with this, and God's gonna help us with that. And you know what? I found myself wanting to help Sonia and Manuel Guterres. I wanted to help them financially because they weren't asking for anything, but because they were standing in faith. And dear ones, we've got to get our eyes not on what we don't have. All of us have got stuff that we wish we did have, but we can't just look at what we don't have. We got to look at what we've got and say, Jesus, I give you praise. Jesus, I give you glory. Jesus, I give you thanks. When this little woman... When she says, I don't have anything in the house except a jar of oil, again, I believe the faith level began to rise. I, I believe she went, her thinking went from the natural to the supernatural. She's thinking, I've got this little jar of oil, but that doesn't mean anything. That's not going to help me at all. But dear ones, we got to recognize something. And it's this, that little is much when God is in it. And the Bible says that we're not to despise the day of small beginnings. You may look at your life and you may take inventory and say, man, I don't have many abilities. I don't have many skills. I don't have much money. I don't have much material possessions. I, and the old devil will just try to bring condemnation on you and put you down. But dear ones, I'm going to tell you, even if you just have a jar of oil, you've got the makings for a miracle. You really do. Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. You see, faith in God has to be released in action. 
it has to be released in action. See, this woman, she sent her sons out and she herself, they went door to door asking every single neighbor, do you have a, a, a jar I can borrow? Do you, have, do you have a pot or a pan? Do you have a, a gallon jug? Do you have something that'll hold liquid? I, I need to gather as many as I can. And dear ones, I'm sure that some of those people who she asked containers from, I'm sure they thought she was crazy. I'm sure they ridiculed her. Dear ones, people may make fun of you. Don't worry about it because your faith in God has to be released. It has to be released in action. I, th I think about over here in Numbers chapter 13. See, Moses sent out 12 spies. He, he, he said, he, God had told him, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. This is Numbers 13, verse 2, which I am giving. Everybody say giving. Come on, say it. I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. See, see, God is painting a picture of a preferred future of a vision for the children of Israel. He says, I'm going to send you out to spy out this land that I am giving to you. I'm the same God that helped you cross the Red Sea on dry land. I'm the same God that's brought you through trials and tears. And now that time is over. Now it's time to go take the promised land. Well, these 12 spies go out and they spy out the land and then they come back after 40 days. It says, verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's the giant. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. See, they're given all the reasons they can't go take the land. But God has already promised, he says, I am giving this land to you. Now, Caleb and Joshua understood this because Caleb responds. He says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. You see, Caleb saw the same walled cities. He saw, saw the same giants. He saw the same obstacles and problems that the other 10 spies saw, but he came to a different conclusion because he said, you know what? God is giving us this Land. He's going to go before us. He's going to prepare a way for us. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. Well, dear ones, I want you to know God knows that the people that dwell in the land are stronger than the children of Israel. That was not a surprise to God. But God had already prepared to help the children of Israel, even though they were weaker and smaller and less than all the other people, God specializes in making a way where there doesn't appear to be a way. Now look at me. 
Some of you, you think, I don't have what it takes. I'm no match. I, 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 can't, I can't equal up to where other people are. That's beside the point. You see, the favor of God can put you over. The ability of God working in you will give you strength and anointing and will help you to do what you don't think you can do. You know, when you read that 40 years go by and Joshua finally raises up a generation and they said, we're going to take the promised land. Well, they still were weaker than the people that lived there. But you know what? You read time and time again, there's one time Joshua sent the children of Israel out to fight and there were fewer of them than there were the opponents, but God sent the confusion upon the opponents and they began to kill one another. See, that's what God will do for you when you'll step out in faith. There was another time that God literally sent an earthquake. You read about this over in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Jonathan and, the, and, and his armor bearer were, 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 were looking at the Philistines and God sent an earthquake and it scared the Philistines to death and Israel got victory. Another time God sent hornets. How would you like that? Your, your enemy's coming against you and it looks like they're much bigger than you are and they're going to destroy you, but God sends a band of hornets. Now I'll tell you, I don't like to be around angry bees. It makes me want to run. That's exactly what it did. See, God knows how to fight our battles. And I'm telling you, whatever you're facing today, God has already made provision for you, but he's looking for you to look up to heaven and not tell God about your problems, but to look at those problems and start telling your problems about your God. God's at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's going to make a way where there doesn't appear to be any way. Let me just prophesy to you. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you are ready to throw in the towel. Some of you can't even sleep at night. It's time for you to start saying to your pillow, pillow, you're a place of rest and sleep and restoration for me. You're not a place of tossing and turning. Let me tell you, my God knows his way out of the grave. My God multiplies the loaves and fishes. My God does what no one else can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have to say it twice, you know, when I'm the only one inside the, the room here. I can't even get the camera operators to say hallelujah. Oh, now they're saying hallelujah. They're waving at me. Verse 31. Excuse me. I got to go back over. I'm in, in Numbers 14 still. Let me go back over here to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few, okay? So she and her sons, they gather all these pots and pans, all these bottles. Verse four, he says, and when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour into all these vessels and set aside the full ones. Now, why did he say you shall shut the door behind you? Verse five says, so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and she brought the vessels to her who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. There was there are times when you're believing God for a miracle. There are times when you're trusting God. You're going to have to shut the doors on doubt and unbelief. You see, you're going to have to shut the doors on naysayers. There will always be critics. There will always people, be people that say, oh, that guy's crazy, that, that lady's crazy. It's never going to happen. Dear ones, we've got to be more concerned with what God's opinion is than what people's opinion is. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never 
pass away. So we've got to learn to shut the door on doubt and unbelief. Jesus put it this way. He said in the book of Revelation several times, he says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what thus saith the Lord. You've got to hear what thus saith the Lord. You've got to hear God's word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said, be careful what you hear. In other words, don't listen to those sources of doubt and unbelief that are going to tear you down, but shut the door on doubt and unbelief. Look at verse 6 with me. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Dear ones, the miracle stopped where their faith stopped. Okay. They, the, 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 that little jar of oil filled every single vessel that they borrowed. Every single pot, every single pan, every single bottle, every single quart jar, whatever it might have been. They filled them all until there were no more to fill and then the oil stopped. So the miracle stopped where their faith had stopped. Verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons shall live on the rest. You know, God promises here, he says, there will always be enough. He says, you sell the oil you don't need, and you invest it, you invest it, and you live off those investment monies. You know, I, I've got a dear friend who, uh, and this was 40 years ago, he had gotten out of college and he got a job and things didn't go so well with that job and he got another job and things didn't go well there. He had gotten married and he and his wife were living below the poverty level. Things were really, really difficult for him. But my friend loved technology and he got hold of a, of a, of a, a magazine almost a scientific journal of technology, and, and it told, talked about things that were coming, new, new, new technology that was coming down the pike. And somebody had written an article about something called a mobile phone, a cellular phone. You gotta remember, 40 years ago, some of you don't remember this because you're so young, but 40 years ago, there was no such thing as a mobile phone. And when they first came out, man, they were, they were, they were like two feet long, they were huge. They, they, were, they were nothing like this little phone right here. Well, he read about this thing called a mobile cellular phone and he saw that if you were interested in it, you could write the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, you could write them and apply to sell mobile phones. Well, he said, it's not gonna hurt. We're just in misery here. Life's not going well. So he wrote the FCC and he got a response back saying, in a couple of years, when this is developed more, we're going to, you, you've been approved, you'll be able to sell these. Well, lo and behold, who has not heard of a cell phone today? In fact, everybody's got cell phones, it seems. In fact, my grandchildren, who do not have cell phones, age 7 and 10, just told me how many of their friends have cell phones. Well, my buddy, he got a cell phone distributorship 
approved by the FCC at a particular place right here in the United States. He moved there. He set up shop. Today, he is mega wealthy. In fact, just a couple of years ago, it was his wife's birthday. So they bought twin Corvette, Stingray Corvette cars, uh, just because they thought it would be fun to have them. They are really blessed today, but they didn't start out being blessed. And it may be that today you say, I'm not very blessed, Pastor. In fact, even with this virus and this environment, my cash flow is really difficult. Well, dear ones, let me encourage you. Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. See, the miracle was not in the oil. The miracle was in the obedience. And, and you've got a skill. You've got an ability that's inherent in you. You've got skills and giftings that other people do not have. And I just believe as you'll get quiet before God, and let me encourage you to do this. Get quiet. Read the scripture. Spend some time in prayer. Meditate on the promises. But then get quiet before God. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And spend some time really thinking. You know, I get a concern that we've got a whole generation that is so used to being plugged in every moment of every day. They're plugged in either to a phone or to a computer or to a video game or to, to something that they don't know how to just stop and think for themselves. And dear ones, if you'll just stop and think and allow the Holy Spirit Meditate on the scripture. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I believe that you've got, you've got skills, you've got abilities, you've got gifts that are unique to you. And just as my friend read about this technology called cell phones 40 years ago, and he just wrote a simple letter to the FCC and was awarded, awarded the ability to sell cell phones. I believe God, he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows how to help you be the head and not the tail. He knows how to help you to be above and not beneath. He knows how to help you to, 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 to walk in the fullness of all that God has planned for you. But it starts with faith. I believe God's got miracles. I believe he's got miracles for you. I really do. As I was praying and thinking about this service and just spending time in the presence of God myself. I said, Lord, who do you want to minister to today? What do you want to do? And I, I felt like the Lord showed me there are people, some, somebody out there, you've got stomach problems. You've got a bad stomach ache. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this stomach ache and I tell it to be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Now, we've got moderators both on Facebook Live as well as on uh, YouTube, and you can, you, you can get on the, on the chat page, and I want you to tell, tell them if God has healed you. Tell them if God has healed you. Somebody, you've just been crying out to God for direction in your life, and I believe that he's giving you Holy Spirit direction. Let me give you a promise. Psalms 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye upon thee. God's going to give you direction. Some, some of you, you, you say, this problem I'm facing is just, it's just too difficult. It's, it's just too big for me. I understand. I understand that problems can be overwhelming at times. But let me encourage you to do this. Don't talk to God about your problem. Talk to your problem about your God. 
Take your New Testament and start looking at the miracles of Jesus and say, Mr. Problem, let me tell you how Jesus raised the dead. Let me tell you how Jesus healed the sick. Let me tell you how when Jesus needed to pay taxes, how he sent Peter and he found money in a fish's mouth. Let me tell you how Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes and he, and, he, and he turned water into wine. Let me tell you how Jesus walked on the water. Let me tell you how he was crucified in weakness, but he was raised in power and he knows his way out of the grave. And that's the difference between Christianity and other religions. Our God knows his way out of the grave. You begin bragging on your God. You begin talking about how good God is. Start talking about the miracles of the Old Testament. You start telling your problems. You start telling your difficulties just who God is. And dear ones, I'm telling you, something will change inside you and you'll find yourself with a prevailing spirit and walking in victory over those difficulties. Somebody is, you're, you're broken hearted because people have let you down. It may be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or your best friend, somebody you thought was your best friend, and they've let you down. And I would say, yes, in this world, people will disappoint us, but Jesus will never disappoint us. Here's the deal. It's so important that we walk in love, not because other people deserve our love, but because we deserve to be set free of the tyranny of what other people do to us. You deserve to be set free, and you don't deserve to be caught up in unforgiveness and bitterness and anger towards them. I'm telling you, Jesus will never, never fail you. Somebody else, you've injured your left knee, and I pray healing from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Finally, there's a married couple and you've had all kinds of confusion because of this coronavirus, you've been together more than you normally are and boy, things have not been too good. So I'm telling you right now in Jesus' name, God is healing your marriage, but you need to repent of selfishness, you need to repent of stubbornness and you need to ask one another, please, forgive me. And if you'll do that, our Lord God will heal your marriage. Now, in just a minute, we're going to go to the table of the Lord. We're going to celebrate communion together. But let me start in with this, uh, this uh, article in USA Today. It says, the coronavirus has prompted almost two-thirds of American believers of all faiths to feel that God is telling humanity to change a new pull finds. God is telling humanity to change. What is he saying? God is saying, hey, I am real. My son Jesus the Christ is the son of God. <laughs> you need to repent and believe the gospel. You need to turn away from your sin. Sin is the missing of the mark. That's literally what sin means. It means to, to shoot an arrow at a target and to miss the target. Well, the target is the word of God. The target, listen, if for us is the New Testament. And as we live according to the New Testament, dear ones, we'll find God working in us. You say, but I can't do that. You know, that's the truth. You can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. That's the reason you need to say, Holy Spirit, would you come and help me to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Holy Spirit, would you come and bring your gifts and your power into my life right now? But it starts with repenting. 
Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just bow your heads right now, wherever you are. Bow your heads. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Lord God, that's right, say it out loud. Lord God, today I repent of my sins. I turn away from sin. That's it, say it out loud. I turn away from sin. I turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I ask you, Jesus, that's right, say it. Today I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior and my King. Come live in me and come fill me, Holy Spirit. That's it, pray it. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. And if you prayed that prayer in sincerity, I say welcome to the family of God. We're so glad you prayed that prayer. If you'll call the church, 385-1815, 385-1815, we will give you some materials that'll help you get started. Or if you're on a, in one of our chat rooms, if you'll just tell the moderator, I prayed that prayer, we will get some material to you that'll help you. Right now, we're gonna go to the table of the Lord. I want you to take your, your bread and I want you to hold it in your hand. The few people that are in the auditorium that are helping us with this production this morning are doing the same. I look forward to the 31st of January where we'll be together and we can partake of communion together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And after supper, they took the cup. And Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord God. If you're suffering in your body, I speak healing and wholeness to you. If you're suffering emotionally, I speak deliverance to you. If the old devil's attacking you, we lift high that shield of faith right now that quenches all the devil's fiery darts. And I speak victory to you. I speak victory. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.